All right. Open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to start in verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It's been a while since uh, since I've told you this, but let me remind you of it. Or if you're new, let me tell you this for the first time. Uh, while we're singing, while we're worshiping, while we're hearing from Scripture, uh, a couple choices for you. On your phone, you can put it in the white basket on your thing. Or if you want to go home with a fully charged phone, you can put it in the charger on the back. All right. What I want you to do tonight for about the next 20 minutes is I want you to remove any distractions as best you can from what's going on in your life, what you have to do tonight, what you have to do tomorrow. Give me 20 minutes so God can teach you something. Not me, but God. Okay? I believe there's great power in Scripture. I am weak. You are weak. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. But God is perfect, and His Word is true. And He can give you everything you need from His Word. So... That's my encouragement to you tonight. We're going to begin our journey through the book of Ephesians tonight. If it goes to schedule, which it probably won't, we will wrap this up right before D-Now. So that's kind of where we're going with this in the next, uh, be about 11 weeks, but we've got a bunch of different things going on through that. So Ephesians chapter 1, I'm, I'm pumped and excited to walk through, through that tonight. I referenced this earlier, but around the room tonight, there are five crosses. I already told you what one was. The one without a word on it is kind of the place I want you to go. If you need somewhere, you can lay a prayer request there. You can go pray there at any point. You can pray if at the end of tonight as we close. All right. And also, if you need prayer tonight, I would love to pray with you. We can pray there. We can pray right where you are. There are four other crosses scattered around the room that do have things written on them. And it starts right up here. And... and the reason they have these written on it is because the book of Ephesians, which we're about to walk through, is about these four things. Okay? First, you need to hear the gospel. Second, you have to respond to the gospel. Third, you have to know the gospel. And fourth, you have to share the gospel. So you hear about gospel. You hear about the word of, of Jesus and what he did for you. You'll hear some of that tonight. You have to respond to it. You have to accept Christ as your Savior. You have to know the gospel, which means you study scripture and you read your Bible and you pray to God. You know the gospel. And then you're able to share it with somebody else. So you share the gospel. And so these are going to be around all this entire time we're in Ephesians as a visual reminder. Now, why are they nailed to a cross? Because the religion of Christianity begins and ends with the cross. It starts with, with Jesus giving himself up. And maybe you're thinking right now, well, Jesus doesn't stay on the cross. He comes back to life. You're right. He comes back alive. If Jesus was still dead on the cross, our religion would be just like every other religion. But it's not. He rose again on the third day. So why put a bunch of more crosses and a visual reminder of that? Because in Galatians 2.20, we get the answer to that question. Galatians is the book right before Ephesians in the Bible. And this is what Paul, who also wrote Ephesians, says this in Galatians 2.20. Write this down if you want, the reference. I have been crucified with Christ, which means I've been put on a cross. 
with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So why are the crosses representing our lives? Because when you become a follower of Jesus, you give up your life. You have been crucified with Christ. You are a joint heir for the kingdom of God, but you have given up all your rights and privileges so that God can get the glory through your life. And that's the whole message of the gospel. Christ did this, you accept it, and now Christ is going to be made known through you. And that's why we've got crosses all around the room tonight. So let's dive into the scripture. You've got your Bibles? Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, that's where we're going to be. What we're going to get at tonight is that this portion of the book of Ephesians is the foundation of what it means to have this gospel thing. All right. So while, while we kind of dive into this a little bit, I want you to think with me right now. I don't want you to get your phones out. But I want you to think about something you have posted on any social media. Media. If you uh, sent a Snapchat, you posted it on Instagram, you did something on another social media site, maybe you just sent a simple text message to a friend, your mom, or whatever, and it was praising something. All right? Let me give you an example. Last week I made chicken sandwiches in on a grill, and they were awesome. Okay? And so... I got in trouble with Rebecca just a little bit, okay? Uh, I redeemed myself because the chicken sandwich was so good. But before I ate it, I took my chicken sandwich and I had put some lettuce and it was just grilled. It was good. And my barbecue sauce and lettuce, tomato, I'm getting hungry again. And so I put it on a plate and I took a picture of it and I posted it on, I think I put it on Instagram, I don't remember. And, and so basically I'm saying, look at this awesome thing I made, right? This is an amazing chicken sandwich. I worked for hours on it. You got it. If you cook chicken fast, it's terrible. So I worked really hard on it. I'm like, this is awesome. And then I began to think about that afterwards. I got in trouble because I didn't come to the table when it was time to eat the sandwich because I was too busy posting it on Instagram. And I began to think about that as this message of who is the one that needs the praise. I was like, why did I do that? Like, most people don't honestly care if my chicken sandwich that I made was any good, right? So why did I do it? And the only question, I, the only answer I came to my question was because I wanted other people to tell me, wow, that looks good. Good job, Jonathan. It's a great sandwich, right? None of you said that on my whatever, but that's fine. My mom thought it, was, it looked good. Was the sandwich good? Yes. Was there any reason for me to brag about how awesome it was to give praise to my chicken sandwich? No, not really. Why? Because it doesn't matter and nobody cares. Have you posted something in the last week where you're giving praise to something where it really doesn't matter, ultimately? All right. I'm, by the way, I'm right here with you. If you've done this, I'm totally guilty. Like, college football season starts, I'm probably going to praise my football team. Okay? That's, yeah, I'm probably going to talk about that. I, I, that's what I'm going to do. All right? Maybe it's a sports team. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship you have. Maybe it's a favorite band or a favorite movie or a favorite show on Netflix. Or maybe it's where you get your clothes from. Or something new that you've got to go with something. Or maybe it's a store you like and you're praising it, right? There's nothing really wrong with celebrating and being excited to have things. There's nothing wrong with that inherently. But the problem comes, and listen carefully, 
Here's the problem. The problem comes when we make a good thing into a God thing. We take something that God has allowed to be created, sports, relationships, clothing, stores, particular brands, God's allowed all that to happen, and we turn it into a God thing. Listen to James chapter 1 and verse 17. I promise we're going to read from Ephesians in a minute. James chapter 1 verse 17. Every good gift, and if you like to write verses down, this is a great one. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from God. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What passage of scripture is saying is everything that you have is a gift from God. So stop turning it into a God. Because he has no shadow. He doesn't change. He created it all. Stop making it into a God thing. Is, what, is what's being said by James here. So let's dive in and let's see what it looks like. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It will be on the screen for you. I encourage you to look in your Bibles. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purposes of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known us the mystery, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. There's a lot there, and we're going to walk through it as simply as possible tonight in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to see four things, though, in the passage. And there's one overarching theme that if you don't get this, you're going to screw the rest of the thing up. Okay? And I'll show you how in a minute. If you don't understand the overall theme of this passage of Scripture, you're going to focus on all the other stuff that is important, but is not the central message of the passage tonight. And the overall theme is a foundation of praise. A foundation of praise. If we don't understand this truth, we'll do a couple of things wrong. So if you don't have a foundation of praise, here are a couple of things you can screw up, not only in this passage, but in your life. First, you can place too much emphasis on little things that ultimately don't have... Uh, as much power and authority and worth as we think they do. We focus on minor things. We stop focusing on God and we begin focusing on all the small little things that we try to understand about God. It'd be like a football player only knowing the goal of football as scoring touchdowns. It's the only goal they know, right? You're missing a key component. It's called defense, right? Okay? If you imagine if you only knew of the existence of offense, all right? You could score 100 points and probably lose by 20. Right? If you don't know defense exists, if you don't know it's a thing, right? It's not going to work. 
Because if your opponent knows both are essential to a game of football, you're in a lot of trouble. Right? It wouldn't work well. You're going to get crushed every week. Verse 3 in Ephesians talks about praise and having a foundation of it. If you don't understand the foundation of praise, the rest of it is, is not going to matter as much. The second mistake that we can make if we don't have this foundation is we fail to recognize the provider of everything. God is the provider of everything. We are to give praise and worship and honor and glory to Him. And if we don't understand that, we're going to mess everything up. So God's the focus of the book, Ephesians and the Bible, not us. Right? We're, we're not the focus of Scripture. We're the recipient of Scripture. We have the Bible to look at. We get the gift of salvation. But the focus of the Word of God is God. When we grasp that, everything else makes, makes a lot more sense. Verse 14 at the end of the passage for tonight also talks about this idea of praise, praise of His glory, not ours, right? The idea of going back to bragging on ourselves or giving praise to something that is not a God thing, it's a good thing, it's not a God thing. We have a bad temptation and a bad um, habit of doing that, right? But if we understand that God is the foundation of everything and everything revolves around that, then everything else makes a lot more sense, all right? So you've got to get that central theme, that there's a foundation of praise of the one that created it all. Okay? Here's the three things that Paul's wanting to teach us tonight. Number one, it's in verses 3 through 6. We are chosen by the Father. We are chosen by the Father. There's a huge amount of controversy from some really, really smart people on exactly what verse uh, 5 in particular is talking about when it talks about predestined and chosen. There's gigantic amounts of controversy on this particular passage of Scripture, all right, which is why I just hit so hard on why it's important to have a foundation of praise. Okay, We have to react with praise of God. Let me be really blunt here. I don't understand everything that Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 1 or in other places of Scripture. Okay, That's not me saying I'm not qualified to be your youth pastor. That's me saying I don't know everything and how it all works together. I, I don't know. Do you know why I don't know? Because I'm not God. I'm not God. I can study it all day, and some very smart, very well-intentioned, very devout believers in Christ are going to disagree over certain interpretations of Scripture, and that's okay. It's okay. But here's what Scripture does teach, and this passage teaches this, as well as other places, and we're really going to hit on part of it in a couple of weeks here when we get to Ephesians 2. This is what Scripture teaches on this topic that is a bit controversial for some. It teaches that God is sovereign, which means He has all the power over all the things and all the situations, everything. There's nothing without His hand in it. There is nothing out of His reach. There is nothing He cannot do if He wants to do it. Nothing. He's sovereign. Complete power. Over all things. But the second thing that we see in this passage, and we'll see again in a few weeks, is that people make choices. Right? You can choose to eat the food that I offered tonight. You can choose to go get your own food. You also have the freedom to choose whether you want to follow Jesus or not. Right? God's offered salvation, but you have to choose it. You have to accept it. Alright? These seems like ideas that are kind of in potentially conflicting with each other. How can God make whatever He wants to happen, happen, 
while still allowing us to choose. How do those two things work out? I think the best answer is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55 and verse 9. I encourage you to write that scripture reference down. Isaiah 55, verse 9. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Isaiah 55, 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Okay? So what that means is if you walk outside tonight and you declare that the clouds are above you, if you don't, you're crazy and stupid, okay? If you declare that the clouds are above you, what you're saying is that the ways and the knowledge and the sovereignty of God is above your level and it's above my level and we will never fully understand everything this side of heaven. Higher than my thoughts, higher than your ways, beyond my comprehension. The message that you need to hear tonight is Jesus loves you, died for you, and you need to accept it. And God is in control over all things. And even though it's difficult to understand exactly how that's all going to work out, we have to trust that God's already done the work. So how do those things work together? I don't know. I don't know how they all work out. God has power over all things, but He's calling you into a relationship with His Son. You have a choice, but He's begging you. He's begging you to choose Jesus. Second tonight, we are redeemed by Jesus. We are redeemed by Jesus. The word redemption means to be liberated from bondage. You are in bondage. You're in slavery. You are in jail. You are in prison. And to be redeemed is to be freed from that, to be liberated from that bondage, from that slavery, from that um, jail, whatever it is. This is similar to the message in the book of Exodus. What's the central theme of the book of Exodus? Why do we call it the book of Exodus? Exodus. Yeah, the, the Exodus is an event, right? The Israelites are in, in slavery in Egypt. You get the plagues that come in. The final one is the Passover, which is still celebrated. They leave. You get the Red Sea parting after that. The Egyptians are crushed and killed. And God redeems His people. He allows them to exit Egypt and go back and eventually into the Promised Land. And He brings them out of slavery. And we are redeemed in a similar way through Jesus Christ. We have redemption through Jesus Christ. The verses there tell us that in verse 7 actually that we have been bought by the blood of Christ. We have redemption. Paul says we have redemption. Not I hope we get redemption. Not one day you may get redemption. Not even one day you will get redemption. It says we have redemption. Okay? Imagine for a minute I said uh, we or I say Colden has a car, okay? That does not mean, that'd be a bad idea, but Colden has a car does not mean that one day he might get one, right? That's not what it means. It means he has a car, right? It means right now in this very moment, he has that. It's his. It's not something that might happen. It's not something that's been promised. It's he has it. We have been redeemed. We've been redeemed. In the case of our lives, we are in bondage to sin. We're not enslaved by another country or rulers like Egypt, but we are in slavery to sin. How many of you have ever done anything wrong? Okay? You are in bondage to sin. 
Without Jesus, you're in bondage. We sinned and it separated us from God. We needed a rescue. Where was the rescue provided from? The cross. By who? Jesus. On the cross. We sinned and separated us from God. We needed rescue which was provided by Jesus. And through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and our acceptance of it, we have been redeemed. Not we may be, we are. Right? Because of God's grace, our sinful selves are no more. We exchange the death of Jesus for our life. Jesus dies so we can get life. That's a good trade. Right? Last fall, I was driving back from a football game in San Angelo. It was, uh, I think it was in November. It may have been the last week of the season. It was, it was like raining. It was misty. It was a yucky night. It wasn't a good night to be driving. It was definitely not a good night to be at a football game. Uh, and on the way home, just south of Sterling City, which is roughly halfway home, I hit a giant raccoon. Like, like a very, no, it wasn't quite that big. There were two. I only hit one. If you want proof, you can go out to my car tonight, and the little thing hanging under my car, there's like a raccoon-shaped dent there. It's hanging. i got to take that off. I can't get it to stay back on. This raccoon was like big. So what you're telling me is you failed to hit both of them. Yeah, I didn't That's get both of them. I, think, I, don't know how, I don't know how I missed them. I'm glad I missed him. It was one of those ones like, Oh, wow, what a, oh, that's a raccoon. He was just standing there in the street. But it was rainy, it was foggy. I had to stop to see if I'd knock my bumper off or flat tire. It's the biggest raccoon I've ever seen in my life. I'm so glad I didn't hit two. All right? Big, fat thing. Okay? The raccoon did not survive. Okay? He was dead, I assume. All right? I hit it pretty good with the center. Okay? But imagine for a minute. Imagine this story with me for just a minute. I want you to visualize this in your head. I want you to place yourself in my shoes with this story. Let's say that's Friday night. Actually, it was Thursday night. It was a Thursday night. Let's say I go back to the scene of the crime on Sunday afternoon. All right? And here's what I do. I did not do this. I'm painting you a visual image, and I'm going to make a point. I pick up the raccoon. Okay? I place it in the trunk of my car because it probably stinks. I continue my drive to Big Spring. I don't go to my home. I go to Walmart. All right? Follow me. I'm trapped. I have a point. I go to Walmart. I pick the raccoon up. I walk into Walmart with the dead raccoon that's been dead for three days. It's a very large fat one. Okay? I walk up to the service desk and I place my raccoon on the desk at customer service. And I say, ma'am, I would like to return this raccoon, please. Okay? And she looks back at me and says, Sir, do you have a receipt? And I said, No, ma'am. I sure don't. I don't have a receipt. She said, No problem. I can give you store credit. Okay? That's not a problem. We're Walmart. We'll take anything. Okay? It's, it's fine. This is not real. I'm, I'm dramatizing the story. Not a problem. She processes the return. And she says, Okay, sir. I've got that taken care of. And I look back at her and say, Well, how much do I get? She says, You can go into the store. Here's the keys to the electronics department. Here's the keys to all the cases that are locked. You can take whatever you want. You bring it back to the service desk. I'll ring it up. You walk out, and it's all yours. You just have to leave the raccoon here. And I look back at her and say, okay, sounds good. But that's not what I do. That's not what I do. Here's what I do. I look back at the lady, and I say, 
no thanks, I'd rather go to Target. I pick up my raccoon and I walk out. All right? How stupid am I to not make the exchange of a very large raccoon that's been dead for three days and Walmart's offering anything in the store? Anything. Look right here at me, though. When we reject the salvation offered by Jesus Christ, it's just as dumb. In fact, it's actually even less smart. Because your eternal destiny, where you're going to spend your life after death, depends on what you're going to do with the offer of salvation through Jesus Christ. We've been offered the ultimate exchange. Death for life. You, you grasp that? We've been offered, we have death coming. We've been offered life and we reject it. It's dead. Don't choose death. Don't, don't choose that. Don't make that choice. <laughs> choose life. Number three, and finally tonight, and look back at verses 11 through 14 in your Bibles. I'll read this for you again. We are assured by the Spirit. We are assured by the Spirit. In Him, this is verse 11, we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purposes of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might reach to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in Him, check this out right here, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is our guarantee of inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. When you accept Jesus Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. You get the one that can help you. Because we're in Christ, we get an inheritance. And this looks a couple of ways. Number one, while we're still on earth, we get to share it with others. We get to take the message of salvation and share it with other people. And we're promised that the Spirit's going to help us. We're promised that. And that should lead us to praise, which is the overarching theme of the message tonight. We are gods by God and we get to praise His name and worship. Right? So we get to share it with others. We're promised that He's going to help us. But we also... But it also means we get to obey Him. It means celebrating the freedom we have in Christ while obeying what He's done for us. His commands, running from sin, knowing the Bible, sharing it with other people. Imagine back for just a minute to my example of the football team that only knows offense. Remember that? They don't know anything about defense. The only goal of the game is to score touchdowns. That's the only part of the deal, right? That's the only part of it. Having a relationship with Christ and not celebrating the glory of Jesus is like only knowing a half the game. You have a relationship with Christ, but you're going to hang on to it and not share it with anybody? Don't do that. Don't do that. Having a redeemed relationship with Christ and not sharing it with others, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. So here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to wrap up. This is not going to take but about five or six minutes. Uh, Actually, both people are Abrams, okay? Uh, <laughs> team Abrams. Yeah. The third one? Assured, assured by the Spirit. All right? So here's how we're going to end tonight. And we're going to end most weeks by doing this. All right? I've got...
cards here, and Kayla and Katie are going to, their only job is to read you these two things, and I want you to just spend a few minutes trying to answer and discuss kind of these things, all right? They're directly from the passage of Scripture. The first one tonight is, how would you explain to someone who is a non-Christian what Christ did to accomplish your redemption? Okay, it's on the card, and they'll repeat it. And secondly, how are you going to take that salvation and redemption message and share it with others, practically. How are you going to do it? How would you explain what it means to have a relationship with Jesus to somebody else? And how are you going to take this salvation and redemption message and share it with others? How are you going to do that? All right? So in just a second, I'll have the girls come over here. And we're going to do this every week. I want more than one or two people to kind of, all you're doing tonight, if you're Kayla or Katie, is reading this card and keeping the conversation on topic. I'll pray for us when it's over. Let me pray for us right now. And then I'll pray for us at the end. You can have it, Katie. Here you go. All right. Let's pray together. Let's pray. God, thank you for tonight. We thank you for your message of salvation. And we pray that you would allow us to share that message with others. I pray for students that are in the room tonight that maybe they don't have a relationship with you. Maybe they need to come to the point where they accept this gift of salvation. Maybe they are a believer. There are hundreds of people all around, all around them that are not. They're walking the halls of their school. They're everywhere they go in town. They're all over, everywhere. God, people don't have a relationship with, people, with God. We know that because we, we see it. It's pretty clear. So God, I pray for students as they, they go to school that they would share their faith as we go about everything we do. We share about the love of Jesus. God, we ask these things in your name tonight. Amen. All right. I'll pray for us in a minute. Just take a couple minutes and talk about these real quick. It's kind of your way to respond tonight.